God has created me to do him some definite service. He has committed some work to me which he has not committed to another. I have my mission. I may never know it in this life, but I shall be told it in the next. I am a link in a chain, a bond of connection between persons. He has not created me for naught. I shall do good. I shall do his work. I shall be an angel of peace, a preacher of truth, in my own place while not intending it, if I do but keep his commandments. Therefore, I will trust him. Whatever I am, I can never be thrown away. If I am sickness, in sickness, my sickness may serve him. In perplexity, my perplexity may serve him. If I am in sorrow, my sorrow may serve him. He does nothing in vain. He knows what he's about. He may take away my friends. He may throw me among strangers. He may make me feel desolate, make my spirit sink, hide my future from me. Still, he knows what he's about. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Some of you may have heard that before. It's, in, it's from St. John Henry Cardinal Newman, who was just recently canonized, one of our newest saints. But it was a meditation that he wrote about divine providence and our trust in divine providence and relying upon God um, for everything. And really, isn't that the goal of our spiritual lives, is to um, depend upon God for every moment of every day and to trust him. Jesus, I trust in you, which is what the um, uh, Divine Mercy Chaplet is all about. And so it was wonderful to pray that at the beginning of um, our time of adoration and um, our time of silence, really, because um, we have an extended period of time now before our Lord present in the Blessed Sacrament and to um, ask him uh, to fill our hearts with his mercy um, and his presence, his love, um, and his peace. And so um, this is a special time of our retreat uh, during these hours of adoration this afternoon, beginning at the hour of mercy, which is a, a great time to begin. And so I'll just have a very short uh, meditation. Um, my meditations are short, so I apologize. Um, although the priests are happy when I don't speak very much, so... Uh, um, but um, so this will just be uh, just a few thoughts about um, the silence of Mary and her <clears throat> gift to us of that silent trust in the Lord. Um, and there's been a lot written in recent um, years about the importance of silence because it seems like our ward, world gets noisier and noisier and noisier um, with regard to all of the information that comes flooding into us from all the different uh, means of communication, the social media and everything else connected to that. Um, and so it's important for us to, to find time for silence in our lives. Um, and so thank you for coming on this retreat because that's um, a response to God calling you to silence. Um, and I really believe that the fact that we're all here is God's providence, you know, that you could have easily 
chosen to, to cancel out at the last minute or to do something else, especially during these busy days of Advent. It seems like they're, they're very busy. Like I mentioned in my column that, you know, we need to kind of step aside. And this is one of the best ways to step aside is by taking a weekend uh, to be with the Lord and to um, be in silence and to um, avail ourselves of the graces he wants to give us. And Mary can teach us about silence. Um, in particular, at the um, Annunciation and at the foot of the cross and at Pentecost. Her silence at the Annunciation. There's a kind of silence that is removed from a situation, emotionally not present to the reality in front of it. But this was not the kind of silence that Mary, the daughter of Zion, experienced at the Annunciation when the angel appeared to her in silence. Instead, her silence was full of grace. That is, it participates in the life of God and his truth and in his love. But this silence that received the message of an angel was not purely passive either. It was an active kind of silence, confident, tuned in, and generously ready to render a response to whatever comes at the hand of God. And here is the standard against which the silence of Christian prayer should measure itself, the kind of silence that we should try to cultivate in our own lives, the recollection of the heart that yearns the divine presence and is resolved to let go of every earthly dream that distracts from the Father's dream for each one of us and for humanity. And it's a relational silence, a silence that stands in relation to the other, to God and his ways, and a silence that expects to be drawn into God, which is holiness and his merciful love. Secondly, her silence, Mary's silence at the cross, her silence is, again, innately relational, entirely attuned to the slightest movements of the heart of her son. Thus, everything he suffered, she suffered in silent solidarity. This empathetic silence renders one's heart vulnerable to be pierced by the misery of another as she suffered at the foot of the cross. So a sword pierced her heart, too. And this silence was born in the temple at the words of Simeon. When he said, a sword will pierce your heart. And it culminates in the destruction of the temple of Christ's own body at the crucifixion. The deepest secrets are laid bare in silence. The truth about who we are before God, where we really stand resounds in this silence. In all of this manifestation of truth, there is something symphonic as well. For the strands of human evil, misery, and every suffering are taken up by a higher order of music and made to blend with the harmonies of divine mercy, hitherto unknown and completely hidden from creation before the coming of Christ. 
No one has ever listened to this music as intently and profoundly as Mary heard it. Her silence has completely received it and is ready to give birth to it in the souls of others who have the courage to listen to her and to follow her son. As it is before the cross, the same silence stands before our hearts, ready to help us hear the same music anew, as if for the first time. That great canticle wordlessly cried out in the last life breath of the word made flesh. And finally, her silence at Pentecost. We know that Mary was present with the apostles in the upper room, praying and vigilant for Christ's promise of the Holy Spirit. And we know that his slightest desire was her desire. And since the gift of the Holy Spirit was his desire, she was in the midst of the church praying for this gift to be given and received. Here, her silence is a silence of intercession, of petitionary prayer, a prayer that obtains what it seeks. The petition is always asked for just at the right time and just for the right thing. So, too, she prays for us. And when we enter into her silence, we, too, are able to pray. Too often, we do not take petitionary prayer seriously. We have doubts about whether it actually accomplishes what we asked. Yet the Lord has made our humble prayer a vital part of his divine plan. He works in order, in the order of freedom and within the bounds of the way the world is ordered in human reason. A petition, if offered in faith, with right intention, orders its object to God. And the Father works within this order to bring about his purposes so that there are some graces when only received when only received when we ask for them and mary is the mother of all graces in some sense every grace comes through her intercession that's why it was so wonderful that we reconsecrated ourselves to mary this morning she is the mother of all graces the order to reality that her reason brings before the Lord. To be drawn into her silence is to be drawn into this ordering of things until one's very life becomes the cry of the heart of the Father. It is this cry that makes space for God to lavish our lives with his blessing and the whole church with the new outpourings of the Holy Spirit as at Pentecost. So, the Annunciation and at the foot of the cross and at Pentecost, Mary can teach us how to be silent before these great mysteries of God. And as we spend this time in quiet adoration, we ask the Lord uh, to open our hearts as he opened hers uh, to the great love and mercy and grace he wants to give us.